0: Welcome to a special series of the HER Empower Divorce podcast. Here I'm introducing you to a variety of expert professionals for your divorce team. Some you may know about, others you may not. I'm your host Beverly Price, Divorce and Empowerment Coach. I'd like you to be aware of all the resources available to you that weren't available to me during my divorce. Because I want your divorce to be a better experience than mine was. From attorneys and mediators to financial experts to real estate and mortgage professionals, domestic violence experts and child-centered divorce, we'll be exploring how these professionals can support you. Through these conversations with incredible divorce professionals, we hope to provide valuable insights and information to empower you to make informed decisions and feel confident as you move forward in the divorce process. We're in your corner, empowering you to be the master of your divorce while feeling confident, capable, beautiful, and stepping into the next best chapter of your life join me in each of these episodes for practical advice actionable tips and insights to prepare you for this challenging time let's get started greetings and welcome to the her self-expression divorce expert series i'm beverly price a divorce and empowerment coach and in this special series i bring you experts from various fields in the divorce professions to provide a comprehensive guide for you to navigate the divorce process. Whether you are soon to be separated, separated, divorcing, or already divorced, this information can be incredibly helpful. So many people don't even know that some of these professions exist. And so my purpose today is to educate you. My guest today is Pam Arbishad, Certified Divorce Lending Professional, CDLP, with Cross-Country Mortgage. Now, does anyone can say they knew what CDLP or Certified Divorce Lending Professional is? Well, I sure didn't, but Pam is a mortgage lender who specializes in helping couples going through divorce. Whether one or both individuals need mortgage assistance or creative financing options, she's better suited to meet your needs than a traditional mortgage lender. So here's one of those physicians that specializes in divorce to help you. Hi, Pam. Thank you so much for being my guest today. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about your role in divorce.
1: Hey, Beverly. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I think this is great.
0: So we just talked about at the very end that a divorce lending professional can help um, in ways that a traditional mortgage lender can't. So what is the difference?
1: So a traditional mortgage lender can help anybody who's looking to buy or refinance a home, but they don't know the in-depth little ticky-tacky details that can help make or break a mortgage when it comes to a divorcing situation. Um, Interesting. Yeah. There's different loan programs that maybe a traditional mortgage lender might put somebody in that they think is a better option for a divorce. But if they don't know these little intricacies, then it might not be the best option for somebody going through a divorce or you know, having the knowledge of how to use any alimony income or child support income, or what we can't use, um, and also looking at some creative financing strategies. So you may not need to refinance a home, but maybe there's a large retirement account that is going to have a huge tax bill or something like that. Maybe it makes more sense to take that equity out of the house rather than taking it out of a retirement account and dealing with all of the you know tax problems and you know, yeah. with that.
0: Yeah, I've heard um, there's some interesting conversations that go on earlier in the process about finances, such as in the settlement process. Mm-hmm. If you're adamant about keeping the house, you may find that you can't afford it, or you may find that if you get it, it's a totally different tax implication than a different kind of settlement. So exactly, I think your knowledge is just perfect, so yeah. so you do you represent both the husband and wife or just one?
1: Usually, it ends up being just one. I will work with both parties um sometimes there's a situation where I need the departing spouse and need some communication with them and um if they're not really interested in working together or both of them don't need a loan. It just kind of depends, but usually I end up working just with one person because if there's one person leaving the home, they might be moving to another state or they don't want to buy or, you know, whatever each person's situation is differs, but usually it's one party.
0: If the mortgage happened to be solely in one of the people's names rather than both, is that any different?
1: It can be if it's in... One spouse's name, and that spouse wants to keep the home, then really they don't need to do anything except maybe remove the departing spouse from title to the home. Okay. Um, but if the one spouse is the only one on mortgage and title, nothing needs to be done. If the house, the one that's on the mortgage is not keeping the house, then we would have to do a refinance and put the mortgage in the spouse's name who's staying in the home, which you know, usually there's one person on the mortgage because that person was better suited, better qualified. So hopefully that new spouse is going to be able to qualify on their own. But that's where I come in to, you know, help figure yeah. out what makes sense and what they can do.
0: So how, did, how does somebody know if they can keep the house and how does somebody know if they can afford to buy a new one or what uh, price range they can buy it?
1: That's a great question. And this is kind of the Achilles heel of what I do because a lot of people come to me, unfortunately, when it's a little too late, that doesn't mean that they can't do something, but they have this vision of what they're wanting to achieve or what they're wanting to buy. Um, They've already settled their alimony or child support. And I wasn't part of that conversation. So that's the really hard part of what I do. It is so pivotal. If I can be involved, even if you're not getting a mortgage for a year, two years out, if I can be involved upfront with the negotiations and helping you figure out, okay, I want to buy a $500,000 house. What income do I need? What debts do I have to get rid of? Or, you know, looking at those details is super important upfront. Um, but, getting off of my soapbox there, the way to find out is just to have a conversation. It's always, you know, better to have the conversation up front. Even if you're not dealing with negotiations, I can always tell somebody, you know, here's what you qualify for. Here's what we would need to change. If you're wanting to qualify for more, or if you want to buy the house, but haven't been working, here's what we need to show in order to get you to a point of qualifying.
0: That's why I kind of envision and really like when I'm working with my clients to form a team almost of all the players involved and have a team meeting so that everybody's aware of the situation and then can let everybody else know when they need to be brought in and let them know um, if you have any input, such as on the settlement or you know those kinds of things. I just I really like this concept and particularly with this expert series we're doing. I think it can show everybody how valuable people are that you have a divorce team not just an attorney.
1: Yes, I agree completely. So many people go through divorce and think they just need a divorce attorney and there's they don't realize until after they finish everything how many little intricate pieces go into it. And maybe you do just need a divorce attorney if you have a simple estate or if, you know, everything's amicable, or maybe you need a whole team of people. I think most people going through a divorce need a team to some extent. Um, So I think it's really great that we're doing this too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that what I'm stressing here is that bring the divorce coaching first And they become the quarterback to the team and coordinate the team meetings and so forth and share information, Um, which, you know, there is this concept of collaborative divorce, but that requires even more players on the team and Mm -hmm. is is more expensive. So what I'm talking about is more an informal kind of Mm -hmm. team building concept.
1: Yeah, I think both are great. And, you know, every every client is different. Every person who's going through a divorce has a different situation. And, um, you know, knowing that there's a team available to you and having someone there to quarterback it and tell you who you need to talk to at what point is invaluable. Awesome.
0: So how, how does a person or a couple know how much they could sell that marital home for?
1: So that's a really great great question. Um, we hear a lot that there are attorneys out there who will use the average of like Zillow, Realtor.com, and Trulia or something like that, oh, which mom. is not great. <laughs> um, usually not accurate. Um. Sorry but I actually work with um, a couple real estate advisors in the area who have a very similar designation to what I have. Um, and I know we've got somebody on this series that we're introducing as well, right. which is great. So these these ladies are actually the same certification. They're local to my area and um, they will offer the attorneys a true valuation of the home. The divorcing couple can also go and get a um, an official appraisal. So there's gotcha. a couple of different options, but usually that's more on the real estate side or getting an appraisal. Um, I too could estimate, but I would not want to do that in any official capacity.
0: would um, would it make sense to do um, a pre-qualification for your mortgage before the um, the settlement?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, the most common, hurdle that I run into is there's a wife who has been a stay at home mom and she wants to keep the house. She wants to keep the kids in their same school. They've already agreed on alimony and child support and all these things, but they never thought about the mortgage portion. And most settlement agreements will state that the wife has to refinance the husband off of the home by X date, or she has to sell it. Well, a lot of times that date is sooner than what that wife will be able to qualify for when she's using alimony and child support, or maybe she hasn't found another job to replace, you know, what her husband was earning or something. So if I can be involved up front with the pre-qualification just to show, okay, you want to qualify, you know, we can qualify you for a $250,000 loan, but your mortgage is $350,000. How can we bridge that gap? Knowing that gotcha. up front helps the divorce attorney with the negotiations on alimony and child support and time frame. The time frame is huge.
0: Awesome. Um. So so then, if we bring you in that early, um, we talked about already that the concept that the wife has to refinance mm-hmm. the other the other glitch in that too is right that the refinance could be at a higher rate and so the payment for the same property might be um wait a minute if they have to refinance they are only refinance are they are they refinancing the whole property
1: including the
0: equity they have in it or just refinancing the mortgage part of the family home
1: That is a really, really great question. So the answer is actually both. Um, If they are only refinancing and they don't owe the departing spouse any equity, then they're just refinancing the amount that is owed on the current mortgage and basically putting it in their name. What you said about the interest rates and the payment being higher is exactly the problem that we're running into currently um, in 2023 because so many people refinanced down into two, three, sometimes 4% interest rates. And now we're six and seven-ish price range. So that really makes a big difference on what somebody can qualify for. Um, Fortunately, I have seen people having luck calling their loan servicers. So if you're watching this and you think you have to refinance somebody off and you have a really great rate, call your loan servicer and see if that is something that you can just remove the departing spouse off of. This is not an official rule. It's not something that has existed before a few months ago, really. Um, But I have seen some loan servicers allow you to remove your spouse from the mortgage if you have a signed separation agreement or divorce decree or something along those lines. Um, That's the best case scenario. It doesn't help me at all, Yeah, but it's amazing. Um, So going back to the refinance, Usually you're just refinancing the mortgage that you currently owe and putting it in your name. Um, Sometimes, though, maybe you bought your house 15 years ago and you've got a ton of equity. The departing spouse probably wants a piece of that pie. So um, that's where we may have to, you know, if you are able to refinance, you may have to take part of the equity out with that refinance and have a higher balance. But you get to keep the house Sometimes if you can do the situation I was just talking about where the loan servicer will just remove your name, which is ideal scenario, you could always get a home equity line to pay your departing spouse the equity that you owe. So there's definitely options. It just kind of depends on where the market is at and what your you know, settlement agreement timeframe has allotted you.
0: Um, Are there other reasons than that why it can be more difficult to get a mortgage when you're in the midst of the divorce process?
1: Yes. there's. Well, getting a mortgage in general can be complicated. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it, a lot of verifications, moving parts. When you're going through a divorce, that just adds some extra moving parts. So if you're somebody who has been a stay-at-home parent, and you're now getting alimony, for example, we have to prove that you are receiving your alimony on time and in full every single month for six months. And then you also have to be able to receive that alimony for at least three years after that. So if you're not getting alimony for four years, really, then you're not going to be able to qualify for a mortgage because we have to have six months plus thirty-six months, which is three and a half. So between three and a half and four years is really the minimum. Child supports so, the same way.
0: So how do they so does that does that mean that it's gonna take them three and a half years to be able to buy something new?
1: Good question. No. So it's it's gonna take six months minimum. Okay. So we have to show that you have received the six months um, on time and fold to make sure that whoever you are, you know, have divorced is actually being responsible because we all know there have been people who are supposed to pay alimony or people who are supposed to pay child support and it doesn't happen. So we have to show that you are in fact receiving that money. But after the six months, that's when you can qualify but we have to be able to prove that you're going to receive that income for three years. You can't qualify right. for a 30-year mortgage when your income's gonna stop in four months, you know? Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. Okay,
0: a lot of complexity that I had no idea. So so what about the situation where you have a woman who left her career years ago, became a stay-at-home mom with kids hasn't worked in a long time, so may have a real difficulty getting a job. Mm-hmm. Um, can alimony and child support be used to qualify for work? What happens to the fact that she may have no income at all?
1: Yeah, so that's exactly the scenario, scenario that I want to be involved up front because She only has alimony and child support to qualify. So we want to make sure that the alimony and the child support, if she wants to keep that house or if she wants to buy a certain price range, I want to make sure that what she's receiving is actually going to get her to that goal. Um, A big thing, too, is that three-year continuance rule. What if you have a 16-year-old? Child support stops at 18. So you might be receiving that child support. You might have received that child support for 10 years. But once that kid turns 18, you no longer receive it. So you have two years from here. So we don't have three years of continuation. Therefore, cannot use child support, at least for that kid. If you have others that you're receiving it for, you can.
0: Right. Um,
1: so again, it's that's where it's really important to talk to me or somebody with my designation who can help and look at the numbers and see what you qualify for. Otherwise, she's just going to have to wait until she's got a job in your scenario. Right. Um and who knows? I mean, maybe she's been out of the workforce for a few years. Maybe it's been a decade, you know, and right. that can really have an effect on your employability.
0: Oh, absolutely. And your skill level, too. Yeah. Um, or she may need to go back to school. Mm-hmm. All of that. So is what you do, is divorce lending all about ownership of the marital home or is there something else?
1: Um, A big piece of it is the ownership of the marital home, but we're also looking at what makes sense full picture. So again, being there in the beginning, um, if you have a big investment account, maybe there's a $200,000 investment account. If you are financially savvy, you're aware that the bigger an account, the more it's going to grow. So if you have, you know, one spouse who is supposed to be getting that $200,000 account, but they're going to give $100,000 cash distribution to the departing spouse. That's going to come with a big tax liability. It's going to come with um, less money growing in that account. So $100,000 growing is very different from $200,000 growing. That's where we can look at the equity in the home and say, hey, instead of paying this big tax bill on the income you just took out and, you know, having your income growing less, we could also look at taking that money out of the marital home and doing a home equity line or a cash out refinance or something like that. And then you're paying a much smaller percentage on interest rate rather than a 40% tax bill or something like that. Oh, wow.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. So, so really looking at the whole financial picture.
0: Um. So do you actually collaborate with the divorce attorney or the mediator as a CDLP.
1: Yes. I love doing that. That's the ideal scenario for me. Um, So, you know, when they're looking at what can this spouse qualify for, or, you know, I always say attorneys and mediators and anybody in the legal field, they've got pages and pages and books and books of laws they have to remember. And I have pages and pages and books and books of mortgage stuff I have to know. Mm -hmm. So how could I expect a divorce attorney or a mediator, anybody in that legal field to know and keep up with a completely different field, which is mortgages. It just, it's not realistic. So for me to come in and be an expert and help guide them on the books that I know, you know, it's, it helps them get their clients set up for success. So if you say, oh, we're going to do alimony for two years. Great. That's, you know, alimony is alimony, but that's not going to help them qualify for this mortgage that you said that they have to refinance by the end of this year.
0: Gotcha. Wow. Wow. So, um, you and I talked earlier for a little bit about the concept of reverse mortgage. Does that fit into this whole diverse divorce strategy or
1: can it it apply? Yeah, it definitely can. Um, I personally do not do reverse mortgages, so my two cents on that is going to be limited, but... A reverse mortgage for the right person is a really, really great option. Um, you do need to have a good amount of equity. There's a good bit of fees that can go into them, and you kind of need to look at who who may inherit your home um, exactly. when when with your estate. So there's a lot of extra factors that go into that. They can be a really great option, but sometimes they're not the answer.
0: Gotcha! Gotcha! So this is the $50,000 question. What's the hardest thing you've ever had to tell a woman in this divorce process?
1: Oh, the hardest one was a lady who was sent to me. She was denied by four or five other lenders before she came to me. We got her all the way through underwriting and we got her approved. And we had to prove one more alimony payment because as you're going through the process, it, it took a long time, not from us, right. but stuff that was going on with her. Um, the reason we prove that six months or longer of alimony and child support income is to make sure that you are in fact receiving it. So we collected bank statements to show her latest mm. child support payment, and it wasn't on there, and that is oh. that was her only income, and. Her daughter had been having some health issues, had been in and out of the hospital. And according to her, and I believed her, according to her, she had received it, but it was paid cash and she never deposited the money. So after all of the work and time that we put into this, the underwriter said, well, once she got approved for the mortgage, her husband stopped depositing the money into her account and therefore would not do her loan. So, we had to wait another six months to show the six-month on-time payment history because it was over a month that he had missed.
0: So, So, he really did miss it?
1: He really did miss it. I mean, on paper, she said he gave in cash, but we had no way to prove that. And he had not deposited those funds in her account like he had been for the past year.
0: Could you have sought out a letter from him saying that he did make the deposit?
1: Oh, we tried to, for sure. Um, (laughs) I mean, we did everything we could, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it was far too long since her last child support payment, and it just, it killed me to make that phone call and tell her, because we had worked so hard to get her approved um, from other factors, not because it was difficult to approve somebody for this loan, but just, there were so much moving parts with their particular scenario, and it just killed me.
0: Wow. So what three actionable steps would you give to the woman in our audience who are in this complex, drawn out, emotionally exhaustive process?
1: That's a great question. First and foremost, talk to a lender, preferably somebody who is in this divorce space. Because again, any lender can help with any mortgage that they offer. But having a lender who knows and understands your situation is so important. So talk to a lender before you sign anything if it's not too late. Make sure that what your goal is, if you want to refinance the house, if you want to buy something else, make sure you can actually achieve that goal with what you are agreeing to with alimony, child support, your income. Um work with your whole team. Do not be afraid to let your attorney talk to your divorce coach, talk to your lender, talk to a mediator, you know, let everybody talk to each other because that can really, really help. And don't do anything to win. It's not about winning. It's not about fighting and just, you know, Oh, I won that battle. If you want the house and there is a true reason that you want the house. Yeah. Fight to keep it, but don't fight just so that you can have a win in your book because ultimately I've seen it so many times people will win that battle and then they come back very soon after and they say I hate this house there's so many memories of him here I don't want to be here why did I do that that?" and then that is so
0: important to consider is do I really want to be here Mm -hmm. yeah I can see it oh I've got the memories I see him wherever I go I Mm -hmm. need to spend so much money to remodel this, to look different that, you know, oh, how true. I think the whole emotional side of divorce, and that's what I work with, is Mm -hmm. so difficult to deal with. And you talked about winning. Yeah. And I think that... You have to be careful. One of the biggest mistakes I think you can make in this process is to let your emotions hijack you. Yes. And they drive everything when in fact you need to step back and really look at it as just a neutral business transaction.
1: Yes. Because if you treat it as anything else, you're going to make an emotional decision and you will have regrets. Um, One of my favorite things is I'll see... People who have, you know, their spouse has taken out a credit card or something or, excuse me, has some sort of debt that they don't feel responsible for. And they're like, well, I'm not going to pay it because my spouse took that out. At the end of the day, you're the one who's responsible for it because your name is there. So don't let them win by keeping you down and you're, you know, getting this collection account. Pay it and move on. Don't be emotional about it.
0: Yeah, I heard somebody say my my thought would be when you're separated is to cut off all the joint credit and close it so that your spouse can't run up debts and then you're responsible. And I heard recently you shouldn't do that, that it gives a ding on your credit. Is that yeah,
1: true? Yeah, it definitely depends on the type of trade line it is. Sometimes mm-hmm. it helps, sometimes it hurts, it depends on what what was done, like sometimes a spouse may have better credit and the other spouse is trying to build their credit up. So they'll go as an authorized user on this spouse's credit card. That's a great thing for this spouse because it's a very quick and easy way to boost your credit if that's a good credit card. But then when you remove it, it can hurt your credit. But this spouse is probably going to want you off of their credit card. So it's something that has to be done. The timing and everything is kind of negotiable as far as what's going to make sense. But You definitely, if you're going to separate and split everything up, split everything up. Even if it's going to maybe hurt your credit, you need to do it.
0: Yeah. I also heard of a situation where the husband had a pretty sizable IRA Mm -hmm. and decided to cash out. It was in his name, decided to cash out and incurred this huge tax penalty Well, Mm -hmm. then the wife became 50% liable for that tax penalty. So that was a real interesting thing to kind of be on the alert for as well, to make sure that in your agreements that they're not allowed to do anything that has a major tax implication without you knowing about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very big Um, deal.
0: (laughs) This has been just so enlightening. I hope the audience found so much to get out of it. How can our listeners find you? Because I'm sure they're going to want to know more.
1: So the best way to reach out to me is through email or phone. Um, You can also find me on Facebook slash approved by Pam. Um, But my email and my phone number, um, should I say them here? Will they be listed?
0: They'll be in the show notes, but go ahead and save them just in case somebody has their piece of paper and pen out.
1: Sure. So my email is pam.abirached, that's A-B-I-R-A-C-H-E-D, at ccm.com. And the best phone number to contact me is 704-779-3826. And I am more than happy to be a resource for anybody who needs it.
0: And also, um just to checkpoint, are you a, can you do business only in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, or can you help people beyond that?
1: That's a great question. So I am personally licensed in North and South Carolina. Okay. My company, however, has an option where you can use me and I can help you with a loan anywhere in the country. Caveat okay. with that is I am not familiar, you know, I'm North Carolina, South Carolina, so I am not familiar with you know the divorce laws in Las Absolutely, Vegas, or something yeah. like that. But I would be happy to be a resource, or I can send you the information for a CDLP in your area.
0: Oh, that sounds great. So, do you have anything else that we've forgotten to talk about that you'd like to share?
1: I feel like we covered it all. The big thing I want to run home is. Talk to anybody and everybody on your divorce team that you possibly can upfront, so that everybody can work together. We do this every day so we know what to look for. And if this is your first time or even if it's your second time, you may not actually know everything that you need to look for. So let us help you.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Pam, thank you so much for being my guest today. This Divorce Expert Series is just my favorite thing so far, and you've been a great addition.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to hear what everyone else is having to say, too.
0: Yes. Well, all of Pam's information will be available in the show notes along with mine, and you can find them at herselfexpression.com on the podcast page. Also, look at the Divorce Expert page as well. I believe that women helping women is our superpower, and that's why I'm bringing you these powerful women who are experts in divorce. Divorce isn't a time for guesswork or major emotions, and so much expertise is available. It's important for you to turn to them and make a team. Thank you for being with Pam and myself on this episode of the Her Self-Expression Divorce Expert Series. Join me for the next episode where, where I'll be diving deeper into what other expert professionals can do for you. Thank you for joining me today and take care. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Her Empowered Divorce Expert Series podcast episode. We hope that you have found the information shared in this episode valuable to you, no matter what stage you are in divorce. Remember that it can be a challenging time, but with the right support and guidance, it can also be a time of growth and empowerment. If you are interested in learning more about divorce coaching how it should be the leader of your divorce team and how it can help you navigate this difficult process, be sure to visit my website at herempowereddivorce.com and request a free consultation. We also encourage you to check out our other episodes and resources on the website and to stay tuned for more expert insights and advice on how to create a positive empowered divorce experience. Take care and we'll see you soon.